Hi, my name is Jesse, and I'm an 11th grader at South Milwaukee High School. Um, I'm currently working on the Cajon. Uh, my favorite subject in school is uh, choir. Uh, when I graduate, um, I don't know what I'm going to be at. And I'm most looking forward to uh, the future. You're listening to the SM Way podcast. Thank you for that introduction, Jesse. Moments before I asked Jesse to do that intro for us, he was drumming on an instrument I didn't recognize as a drum. He was sitting on it and tapping the sides in an impressive pattern, and he looked like a complete natural. It wasn't part of a class or anything, he was just freeforming it during some free time. I'm Dan Bader, host of the SMY podcast and communication coordinator for the school district of South Milwaukee. I have to say, I'm constantly surprised and impressed with the students and staff here at South Milwaukee. There's a creativity and passion flowing through South Milwaukee's classrooms that is amazing. I've worked at or reported on many school districts in my career, and I can say with some certainty that that's not the case everywhere. In today's podcast, I want to introduce you to one of those inspiring teachers, Julie Barnett. Julie is the middle school STEM teacher. And I'll have her explain what that means in a moment. But I I wrote a story about her program at the beginning of the year, and I thought she'd just be great for listeners to hear from directly. She's new to the district, but not to South Milwaukee, and is doing some pretty cool hands-on science in the ground floor of the middle school. Uh, Julie Barnett, welcome to the SMY podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Um, So before we get into your really exciting STEM program, um, I like to ask uh, the folks who are educators on this program why why you became an educator. Um, any thoughts? Well, I figured out in third grade that I wanted to teach. And my mom used to say it was because I wanted to boss people around, but I don't think that's quite it. <laughs> um, I love when students connect the new dots and they like, oh my gosh, miss, this is how this works. And those aha moments that come with the, with that. And just seeing the kids like, wait, miss, you mean science is here and this is science and this is working? I'm like, yes. And just seeing those moments when they make those connections are just priceless. And I live for those moments. Okay. Well, that's a great, that's a great why. Um, So, so STEM. So um, for those of us, I feel like it's been around for a long time, but tell me what STEM is and why it's not just your regular science class. So STEM is really a motivation to learn about more topics together. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So by combining all three of those together, we can explore concepts in the world that are just a little different than what you might be seeing in a traditional science classroom or a traditional tech ed room or a traditional mathematics course. So we can combine all those pieces together to learn about the world around us. And what um, what do you get from that? What do your students, uh, what do you hope by the end that your students take away besides kind of the knowledge of those things? Because it seems like the combination is what's the point, right. right? Yeah, I want them to see that like these concepts aren't isolated to school. Mathematics doesn't just happen in your classroom classroom. Engineering is everywhere and in design and everything else. So I really want the students to see how everything is connected and how everything is a part of their lives already. This is just how we understand it. Mm. Um, now is, 
and I genuinely don't know this, is is your class an elective or is it something that each uh, middle school would take? Sixth and seventh grade do take my class automatically and then eighth grade can elect to take that. I think they have a couple different choices, but I see most of the eighth grade also. So I'll see kids for three years in a row. Mm. Um, and so you worked at Discovery Discovery Place? Discovery, Discovery World. Discovery yes. World in Milwaukee mm-hmm. um, doing this. Um Tell, tell me a little bit about that. What, what did you do there? So I started with their Boy Scout and Girl Scout programs when they relaunched them in 2010. And um, I really coordinated a lot of those programs. And then I started running their school labs. And I taught a lot of chemistry-based things, food sciences, electronics, robots, even like graphic design, screen printing, things like that. So I really got like a wide sample of all the different sciences there. And that's why this STEM class was the perfect fit for me because I really do have a wide variety of all these different topics available for me to teach. Mm. And you have you have a, genuinely have a lab. It, it kind of looks like a mad scientist lab it, where it, it looks like an old shop room in the middle school, which, which if you don't know, used to be our high school. Um, but it, it just begs for creativity mm-hmm. um what are you doing with the kids uh maybe grade by grade what what is sixth grade so like learn? sixth grade right now is focusing on scratch programming so it's a block-based program online that the kids can work with it's um, out of mit so it's a really cool program where the kids can start designing we're doing a game design this week where they're making a maze that they're going to have a score and variables that they have to work with custom blocks and things like that so lots of little pieces that they're going to have to code together but you use this blocks to code rather than having to type out all the words. So you don't have to learn a programming language to start coding. It's a really great starting spot. So that's what my sixth graders are focusing on right now. Mm. We're also going to go into architecture, room design, and different measurement um, techniques and stuff like that later in the course. My seventh graders, we just started building our DC motors this morning. We learned about Tesla and Edison, the battle of the currents, AC versus DC. Um, the kids had no idea about that. And they're like, wait, so Tesla's not just a car company? And I'm like, oh, guys, <laughs> let's, let's talk about this. So we've been really covering electronics in seventh grade with a lot of hands-on projects. Because while electricity is awesome, it's even more awesome when you can do things with it and see it happening in front of you in a safe, controlled way. Yeah, and so important to actually real life, right? That, that mm-hmm. knowledge, like if you want a solar system on your house, DC and why we're not getting the amount of juice out of it that we would because it has to be converted so your house can use it. Your car, the generator or the alternator in it does that, alternating current, right? Um, same thing my camper. I got to figure out, you know, it's got a battery in it, but it's got a charge and it's got a component. And if I, if I didn't understand that there are two kinds of electricity, I, I might not even get how those things work. Right. And we still use both types. I mean, AC is the wall outlets and DC is going to be any type of battery source for the most part. But understanding that those are a part of our lives, how they operate differently and what we can do differently with each of those is really important. Um, And that's what my seventh graders have just been focusing on is basic electrical concepts. Hmm. We do a lot with nine volt batteries and hooking things, movements, lights. We took apart some Christmas tree light strands and we're able to light up different amounts of lights and talk about um, series circuits, parallel circuits, all that fun stuff too. Hmm. So seventh grade has really been deep diving into that. Um, Eighth grade, they have started the year with what we call automatons, which are these little like wind-up toys, essentially. They're the predecessors to robotics, as far as I'm concerned. But they didn't have programming 
but you had to program them in the way that they moved. Mm. And so we talked about how these have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, particularly into the 17, 1800s. They were really popular as a way to show off a technology. And the same technology that goes into these little wind-up toys goes into your old wristwatches and things like that. So this is still technology that's used places. Mm, mm-hmm. So they got to see that, and that's the beginning of automation and programming. And then today we're going to start using our Arduino boards, and we're going to start learning how to actually code, create circuits, code them, do different things with them, use different sensors, get data. It's really going to take a deep dive into the world of like microcomputers. Mm. So um, the thing, the recurring theme I'm hearing is that you you have something from the to hold in yes. you know in each one it's not a lecture and to, and to manipulate and a, with a goal in mind at the end mm-hmm. uh, that sounds equipment heavy uh, it must be it is i mean there's some pieces to buy ahead of time that we've got but a lot of it is simple things like i said we cut apart christmas tree lights a strand of those is really easy and relatively cheap right now mm-hmm. and we're able to use those to work with um nine volt batteries those are relatively inexpensive so while we're using a lot of different components none of them are super like impossible to achieve outside of the classroom too with parent supervision. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, our Arduinos, they are a microprocessor, so they do come with a little bit of a cost. They're coming out of a company, but it's the software is free to use online. So there's a lot of resources for people that want to continue exploring this outside my class. Mm. Um, I think I've told you before, I have a, uh, a middle schooler, well, at least in his district. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a fifth grader. Um, and it's kind of all the things that he does. He, you know, um, heavy on the computer, you know, trying to program you know um and just manipulate things using his computer and and when i visited your classroom that's what i saw the kids all huddled around the computer talking about the programming Mm -hmm. looking at the board and figuring out why something didn't happen i have a feeling that why is a big question in your yeah so i always ask them okay so like something's not working that's i think you saw my eighth grade last quarter working on their arduino boards if something's not working there's a reason it could be your code, it could be a physical connection, it could be an LED that, that's blown that we have to replace. So I really encourage the kids to do a lot of problem solving. And that concept plays into every part of their lives, but sometimes the kids, you know, they sit there and they're like, oh miss, I have no idea. I'm like, well, let's start with what you know. Mm. Let's see, okay, so this is working. You know your code is good, because you double checked it or you copied exactly, okay. So let's like, let's see what else we can problem check. and. Getting these hands-on, try it out. It might fail. That's okay. We move on. We keep working on it. And eventually we get those light bulb moments when, oh, my gosh, everything works. The kids get it, and it's amazing. Mm. It it seems like uh, applying that scientific method, like for the first time, like you probably learned it earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's probably reinforced in traditional science class, but actually – to solve a problem, you need to use it. Right. It's not enough to just guess and check. You really need to be thinking, okay, what do I know? What do I need to know? How can I learn that? Oh, so something's wrong with my code. How can I learn? Oh, I can go back into my notes. Okay, how can I fix that? And it's really applying that. We call it the engineering process, engineering design process in our class. And it really starts with, you know, brainstorming a thousand ideas, some that might be good, some that you automatically know are not good, but you still want to get them down. And then you narrow that down to the, you know, your working idea. That's how you design a new system. And then you got to do some troubleshooting and you might be prototyping where your first project is cardboard 
or Christmas lights, but your next project is LEDs, and then your next project is building up from there. Mm. So we're really taking the kids through those design methods, those processes, and teaching them that this is really how you think. You just don't realize that you think like this. Mm. Do you see, since this is a brand new program, so the sixth graders are getting it fresh, and, and do you see a difference between like the seventh graders and the eighth graders who didn't have this class and that they might not be used to failing? Well, what I'm definitely seeing is a gap in some knowledge when like my seventh grade is learning about electronics and my eighth grade should be programming and applying that, but I'm having to go over some of those basic concepts again because they haven't covered it yet. Hmm. So I'm seeing some overlap there and then I'm seeing kids who are not used to working with these little components or they hear the word code and they're like, miss, I can't do that. Hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, you can. Let's, let's try. We're going to start simple. And I understand that some students will excel more with coding and some students will have a harder time, and that's okay. We work together, we start basic, and then we build up from there. And the students really have had a lot of success. I'm really proud of what they've done so far. Mm. And we're only halfway through the year, not even. <laughs> so uh, for those just tuning in, you know, we are in the music wing of the high school, and we're in a practice room. So first of all, you're going to hear the sounds in the background of music, but Right before you came in, there was a student out there learning how to sing, and and she said, "Well, I'm not a singer," and uh, Miss Swanson said, "Yeah, we're gonna make you a singer." That just applies. We're gonna make you a coder, whether you're gonna sing or code in the next thing you do. At least you'll get a good introduction to what the concept is. That's how I got into coding in. 12th grade, I was like, I have an extra class. I'm going to take the web page design class because it was nice and easy. And my teacher that I had to go get approval from, he goes, no, you're going to take AP computer science. And I I gave him quite a look because I'm like, no way. That sounds way too complicated. I don't know anything. And it ended up being the best course I ever took in high school, I think. I learned so much about problem solving, coding, how computers work, and in 12th grade was 2002 for me. So that was really (laughs) a good time to get into computers and to start understanding it and to really break into that and to gain that knowledge. And the students are doing the same thing here where I can't code. And then some of those students that said that at the beginning of the semester are the same kids at the end of the semester that I'm looking to as the leaders in the classroom for coding or for problem shooting or something. Mm -hmm. So those same kids that were like, oh, no, miss, are excelling. Mm And that kind of um, speaks to, I've been invited to go see elementary school students doing Code Monkey mm-hmm. in, the, in their library time. And, and at the high school, there's a new laser club where they have a laser engraver that they use to uh, etch onto wood. Mm-hmm. And it, I know kind of the point of, of having your program in the middle school was some of that integration. Could you speak to that? Yeah, this is definitely bridging this, the students from what they might have done an hour of code or code monkey. Mm. Oh, sorry about There's that. There's our bell, and we might hear one in just a minute, but please go ahead. Yeah, so we're trying to bridge the kids from Code Monkey, real basic coding, where it's really buried in games, to actually outright coding, outright putting things together, putting circuits together, getting that hands on, which then will allow them in the high school to do some more of those um, deeper skills, deeper woodworking projects, deeper electronics, metalworking, programming on machines, CNC stuff. So this is really that gap in the middle that sort of takes them from the super basics that you would do with an elementary student to what we're doing at our high school level, which really is industry standards sometimes. Mm-hmm. And your so your eighth graders might not 
might have some catch up when they get to the high school. But hopefully by the time you're sixth graders or ninth graders, yeah, they'll, they'll be, fit right in. They'll have a huge jump start to all of these careers. And some of them will be, though, not, not the career for me. And I'm hoping, though, that I can inspire some other new people to go into the career or at least consider those career pathways where they might not have thought about them before. Mm. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, um, you know, last in the spring, I saw uh, – the high school, if folks don't know, has a Society of Women Engineers, mm-hmm. which is part of that alignment towards a career pathways program that we have. And they were inviting the eighth graders to the ninth grade to, or to the high school to just kind of see and, and hopefully join. Um, you must see that as you're coming up too and starting to encourage those kids. So I'm definitely seeing that. I'm actually super proud. I saw one of my eighth grade uh, girls that I just had in my previous quarter. She actually joined the high school robotics team. So they're working on building a robot after school. Mm. And I caught up with her after school yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, you joined. I'm so glad. And this was a student that at first was like, miss, I'm not doing this. But by the end of the quarter, she was like the one that was leading her group in the coding and everything. So I'm really proud that she's jumping into those clubs and joining into that mm-hmm. already in eighth grade, getting that experience working with the high school groups. Hmm. So, yeah, I've heard um, pe- people maybe don't understand when we say equity what we're talking about, but we're, we're disproportionately don't have enough women, you know, in in the tech and engineering field. Um, when I was college age, uh, the, I went to a liberal arts college, but across town was a technical college. Mine was a teaching college. Um, it was at, at my school, it was two women for every man. And at their school, it was 99% men in the, in this, um, college education program. So that's what we're talking about because we're missing out on half the population if we're not encouraging, um, the brilliant girls to just try this. Yeah. Uh, and direct them towards it. I definitely had that too. In high school, I was one of two girls in the class. In college, I was one of one or two in all of my like technical programming classes. Mm-hmm. But when I switched over to my education major, suddenly it was like only four or five guys in a classroom of 30. So mm-hmm. it was a very big switch like that. So I'm really excited to be able to come here as a female teacher and be like, yo, this is this is cool. We all, we all can do this. Everybody has the ability to code. If you're learning English still, you're an English language learner, learning coding is another language to learn. And so that's just another skill. And people that can speak multiple languages, code sometimes comes easier because you already have those language skills. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it really is just an eye opener to students of all abilities that they can do this. They can participate. And it's actually kind of cool. And sometimes you have advantages that you didn't realize you had. Mm. I would love to see the coding classes become closer to 50-50 male-female. And really, just anybody who has an interest, I want them to feel comfortable getting into these classes. Sure. Um, so, slight change of topic. Oh, there's our bell. Good timing. So, we've talked kind of heavy about the computer end, but mm-hmm. but maybe let's talk a little bit about the tactile end, because I know you have a wood shop next yes. to you. So we, um, my seventh graders are going to be um, soldering circuits to make a speaker, and then they're going to be using their wood shop to produce the casing for that speaker. So they will hopefully take home a working speaker. Um, Last quarter, we had a lot of success with that. Um, A lot of students really liked, like, miss, I can actually create a circuit board. So they were doing that, and just a lot of fun with getting into that. Um, 
the automatons that we built were these huge cardboard structures so the kids really have fun with building big things it's not just electronics it's not just coding it's creating things and mm. the kids have really had fun with that mm. what has surprised you about uh this year being your first year in south milwaukee and your first year teaching this program it's seeing a big diversity of the students in terms of <laughs> in terms of their prior knowledge and then when they come out of the class just seeing how different some of those students have become like I said before, it's some of my kids that were like, Miss, I can't code. And all of a sudden, they're the group leader at the end of the quarter. Mm. It's seeing those changes and that perseverance of the students is really amazing. And then also seeing students that share some of the passions that I have are really fun. Um, we've been talking about Tesla and Edison and seeing some of my kids being like, wait, Miss, what about this with Tesla? Or I read this about him. And I'm like, yes, you're reading about him. Mm. Yes, you have some knowledge. And seeing these kids doing that outside of the classroom is really exciting, too. Mm. Um, and maybe when uh, when I first met you, you talked about you were going over rulers again, just mm -hmm. how to how to use a ruler and and. Um, in our last podcast, we talked about our professional learning communities and how collaboration across schools and across departments has uh, helped inform what you're teaching mm -hmm. students. Can, can you maybe talk to that a little bit? So we've discovered, especially because with COVID pandemic online teaching, students haven't had a lot of experience physically using some tools in front of them. And one of those is rulers and just understanding inches versus centimeters, standard versus metrics, and understanding how do you use this, how do you measure, was a skill set that we really we found were lacking in that students, that ability to measure something, which seems so basic, but yet if you haven't practiced it, if you haven't tried it, you don't have that ability sometimes. Hmm. So we've been working on that so that we, um, when they're going up into the high school level, if they choose to go into any of these career pathways that are very you know, hands-on creating products, like our wood shops and stuff like that, that they have this ability to measure and that they understand there's different measuring systems and things like that. So this is really feeding into that. It's also getting into math with fractions. So it's reinforcing concepts learned in those classes. Um, but yeah, we had to relearn how to measure things and mm. it seems so basic, but yet with everything the past couple of years, students really missed out on that. So it was a really cool skill to have to reinforce and to build that's going to help them in a lot of different things. Mm. One, uh, one thing that hadn't occurred to me and was, was fascinating was the collaboration aspect of your class and the reporting back. Um, you'd said that was something that the high school had said they were lacking in their students that they needed. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to kind of help with that? So the high schools asked like three different things. They want kids to be able to read blueprints. They want kids to be able to do measurements and they want kids to be able to communicate their thoughts, their actions, what they're doing. So those have been three things that I have focused on. We focused on the measurement. We have, we spent about a couple, three, almost a week about just how to measure properly standard versus metrics and things like that. But then we also are reading schematic diagrams when it comes to our electronics. We're creating our own blueprints for a bedroom design in sixth grade. So we're seeing how to read these official documents and how to draw something to scale and what that even means. And those are skills that they're gonna be able to pull in if they use them in the high school. And then the last one is just to communicate. 
we've had the online ability to communicate, but actually getting feedback and putting your thoughts down and explaining to somebody in verbal words, in written words, in pictures, mm. what your project does was a big skill that kids are working on. And every project that my students do, there's a reflection of some sort. It's either a written reflection or they had to present it or they have to type something up or they had to take photos of it explaining what the project was doing. But trying to get kids to be able to talk about their projects using the correct terms is really important. Hmm. How do you coach them through when they disagree in a group? Like when groups don't function well? Well, not, not even. Um, maybe one feels that one path is one way to take and the other feels another. I, um, you know, we heard at the school board meeting how um, we're integrating some of those disagreement uh, mitigation strategies mm -hmm. into things. I'm wondering if you're seeing that in your classroom. So a lot of times it's, Miss, I want to build it this way, but so-and-so isn't letting me. And so we talk about, okay, let's, let's talk about how we can address this. And some of that is just being respectful to each other and hearing out each other when they have an idea that is different than yours. And for some students, they don't have a lot of experience hearing ideas that are different than what they feel. So getting them to respect the other student, letting the student actually communicate their idea before you're like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And making sure that everybody has a voice in their group is important. Um, the other thing is sometimes a student really wants to try something. And in my head, I know, I'm like, dude, that's not going to work. <laughs> but the student doesn't know that yet. So I'm like, well, try it out. Do it that way. It's not going to hurt anything. Yeah, we can get some new wire. Yeah, we can get a new piece of cardboard and some extra tape. But let's try your idea first and let's see if it works. So I try to get them to find the most likely way that they want to build something or construct something in their group if they're disagreeing. And they also can try out the other way. Or maybe I'll let them go the way that they think it should be done or most of the group members agree with. And then once they complete it and it's working, I'll be like, well, now I want you to try their way the other person's way and see if it also works because mm -hmm. it might work better. And sometimes it does. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, uh, as, as we kind of, kind of wrap up, um, what, what's something that you want parents to take home from your, your program? What, what, what you're trying to teach these kids? So I really want parents and my students just to realize STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics are part of your daily life. You don't have to be an engineer to understand all of this stuff. Everybody is capable of it. And if your student is in my class, ask them what they did that day. Ask them to explain it. Ask them what scientist or what concept or what tools we used. Ask them about their experience with this. Because getting them to talk to you about that is going to show you how much they're doing in the classroom and how much they're really gaining from this. Mm, thank you. Um, and then do you have one high point so far this year that you just thought, man, it's working? I think each of the grades have had their own high points. Um, like today, we just made them this morning, and I was really proud of my first hour today because of how their DC motors just, they were able to focus on the directions and make working DC motors. I was going to give them two class periods, but a lot of them got it done today. So I was really impressed with just the quality of focus and the ability for some of them to do some problem solving with, oh, I didn't sand this enough. Mm. And I was just really impressed with their focus and their just their drive to want to get it right. Mm. That's great, you know, because we so, so often we hear the negative that our kids can't focus, they're distracted all the time. 
um, it just seems like you have to get them interested. Yes, yeah. and hands-on electronic projects are our way to go. Mm. Well, Joey, thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the podcast, and thank you for being part of our school community. Yes, I love it. It's great to be here. Today's podcast was produced in the music wing of the South Milwaukee High School. A big thank you today to Julie Barnett, who gave up her planning period to talk to us, and again to music teacher Amy Swanson, who makes the studio available, and to her students for their patience while I take up a coveted practice room. You can find our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or just about anywhere you get your podcasts. If you have a question or story that you'd like to hear about, please email us at info at sdsm.k12.wi.us. You can find us at at schools on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can read more content at www.sdsm.k12.wi.us.